Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's doing fine on this, uh, you know, fine Sunday morning. Um, yeah, before I jump into the episode, let me tell you guys. Like last night, we had a severe thunderstorm that came through here. Um, last night, me and Emily had done some work out in the yard uh, Saturday afternoon. We had a bunch of stuff that was drug out, like uh, the lawnmower was still out and everything. And, you know, it was just like, I just left the mower and everything in the backyard because I was like, I'll finish cutting grass tomorrow, you know. And um, we were sitting in here watching TV last night and we started hearing thunder and we started, could hear like the wind blowing and we're like oh my god we've still got everything in the backyard so we both just took off going out there i grabbed the mower because to me that was the more important thing <laughs> to uh to get uh back in like i had some power tools that was out there but um uh emily had thought ahead and actually brought those in prior to the bad weather and all of that and so i grabbed the the mower and brought it in uh like under a little patio that we have and we were sitting there trying to get everything. I mean, the wind was kicking and the rain, it was, it was kicking so hard. Like you'd swear, like you'd sit there, like that, that rain was falling sideways, you know, kind of like Forrest Gump sideways rain, big old fat rain, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it felt like. And, um, you know, I came back in and, uh, my hair is quite long right now, and, uh, yeah, it looked like I kind of just got out of the shower, and, like, my hair was hanging all in front of my face, like, <laughs> you know, down to, like, my mouth, and I was having to try to get it out of my eyes and, and all that kind of stuff, but, um, uh, just for, just for references, I do prefer for my hair to be a little longer, but Emily prefers for it to be a little shorter, and so I had... I try my best to, like, I hang on to it as long as I can before I got to cut it, but I'm getting married this week, I can officially say that, and, you know, to make her happy today, actually, I'm going to uh, get a haircut, and I'm probably going to get a good six, seven inches of uh, hair cut off of my head, and uh, I'm going to look very different to a, <laughs> to a lot of people that um, are more accustomed to seeing me with the longer hair. But, yep, so that's how that's going to go. But, all right, guys. First of all, I'd like to apologize for uh, coming out with this episode a day late. I really wanted to put this out yesterday, but, you know, like, I put out another episode before this one explaining what had happened. So, if you haven't listened to that episode yet and you want to hear the explanation and what all happened that evening that caused me to have to... uh postpone the episode by all means check that one out it's called havoc today gundam tomorrow um yeah but anywho so today i'm going to be talking about something that is not kaiju related i'm going to be talking about a franchise that i'm very very fond of that i've been a fan of since i was about 12 i would i would think um, I didn't actually look at the actual dates as to when the shows aired here in the States and all of that kind of stuff. But I was pro I was around that, that time. Uh, I was about 12 or whatever. And it has become one of my top, I would say top five franchises of all time. Um, or maybe not, well, yeah, yeah, franchises. I would say it's top five franchise and like a top five genre as well. And whenever I say that, I'm talking like, you know, for as far as like genre goes, my top five would most likely in no particular order would be like, uh, Kaiju, what I'm talking about today, as well as, um, like comic books, you know, you know, that, that, those are the genres and all of that. Now, as far as franchises go, it would be like King Kong, Godzilla, again, no particular order, uh, Superman, this particular franchise, and on and on and on, you know, with whatever other ones that I've, I've decided to pick. Now, what I'm talking about today is the original series of Mobile Suit Gundam that first aired in 1979. 
I freaking love this series. I freaking love this franchise. And like it's it's one of those see this is what happens whenever you live in an area that does not have a lot of nerdy things like any types of hobby shops or comic book shops and things like that. You're pretty much surrounded by a bunch of Southerners in Louisiana that only give a hoot about hunting, fishing, football, crawfish, you know, like things like that, just very stereotypical Southern things. And I'm not into any of that kind of stuff. I know it's very weird that I tell a lot of my fellow Louisianians whenever I say I do not care for crawfish. And they look at me like I'm, I'm crazy because it is a delicacy down here. And for those of you that don't know what crawfish are, like some of people that's like uh, overseas or a little bit further north and everything like that, a crawfish is a Louisiana delicacy that it's basically a miniature lobster. That's essentially all that it is. And, you know, people down here, they have crawfish boils and... You know, usually the sides that go with it are a corn on the cob and taters. And uh, that's po-tay-toes for you, more of you Yankees and all that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I love shrimp, just not into crawfish. But, um, yeah, and hunting, never really found the uh, the desire for it. I've been hunting. I've, I've killed some animals while hunting. And, uh, you know my dad would take me whenever I was younger and uh, he took me squirrel hunting one time and we killed a pretty good amount of squirrels. And when we came back, you know, he's like, did you have fun? And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, I'm like six, seven years old, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, he's like, you want, you want to go again? And I'm like, no, nah, not really. And I've, I've never been squirrel hunting since. Like, you know, I'm just, that's just me. I don't care. I don't care for hunting. I, you know, I like, I tell people, <laughs> one of my coworkers go to talking about hunting and all that kind of stuff and fishing and all of that. Cause I don't have the patience for fishing, but, um, you know, and they sit there and tell me about, uh, all the stuff that they do. I'm like, I'm like, that's too early. It's too expensive. I'm not messing with it. That fish tastes just the same getting it from the store as it does. If I pulled it out the river. Like, you know, that's just, that's just me. That's just how I am. But, um, unfortunately that's the type of people that I'm surrounded by and which there's nothing wrong with that. If you're into that kind of stuff, you know, more power, more power to you and all that kind of, you know, that's just, that's your passion. That's your love, you know, more power to you, but I'm just not into that kind of stuff. And I'm a nerd. I look for nerdy things and People that are into nerdy things around here are few and far between. Now, there are more of us, more nerds down here than what I like to give credit for. The only problem is we're, we kind of keep things very quiet. Like <laughs> we're kind of on the down low and you don't really know where, where they are. And I've run into a few of them and all of that. Um, there is one little shop here in town. Uh, I think it's called Battleground. And I've tried to go in there one time. But, um, they were closed or they, they had the doors locked because they had some kind of Magic the Gathering tournament going on. And Magic the Gathering is another, um, more power to you if you like Magic the Gathering. But that is not a crowd I, I'm, I'm down to, to be around. Um, you know, unfortunately it is very popular and I've seen a lot of shops, a lot of comic book shops and things like that. And once they really introduce Magic the Gathering in there, the Magic the Gathering crowd pretty much take over that little shop with doing tournaments and things like that because it is a moneymaker and a lot of other hobbies and nerdy stuff like that get put on the back burner because they know that they have a surefire thing with the Magic the Gathering crowd. And so I don't, I just don't, I don't mess with the Magic the Gathering guys. <laughs> you know, again, if that's your passion, more power to you. But I don't mess with it. But, um, yeah. Like, I've run into a few nerdy guys around here. But 
and I know that there's more because, you know, like I go to certain stores and I'll see something that's like really nerdy and I'm like, Ooh, I want that. But then I'll look at the price and be like, Ooh, I got to wait till I get paid again before I can come back and get that. And then after I get paid, whenever I go back to get it, it's gone. And so I know they're out there because people are taking my stuff. You know what I mean? I just, I don't meet them all that often. And a lot of my friends, you know, I'm friends with, uh, you know, like Kid Kong and uh, my buddy Ian and all that. You know, we're into comic books and we all have our various little things that we're big into and fans of and all of that kind of stuff. But two things that I'm amongst my little circle of friends that is pretty much exclusive to me. Um, more so what I'm talking about today versus the other one that I'm going to mention is Kaiju. Like you have... Some of my friends, you know, they've seen some of the kaiju films. They've seen some of the more popular Godzilla films. And Kid Kong has, you know, he's a big Mothra fan and all that. Um, but that that's that's about it. You know, my buddy Ian, like, he, he grew up watching Godzilla vs. Megalon. And uh, the Americanized version of The Return of Godzilla. Um, but that's about it. And whenever it comes to Mobile Suit Gundam, I'm, I'm the black sheep of the, of my group of friends. Like, it's just, it's just me. Um, now my brother is also a fan, but you know, he's, I don't count him as my circle of friends. He's, he's my brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I'm just like, I, I have no one other than my brother that I can talk about Gundam with and watch the shows and the movies and stuff like that with and all that. I just, don't and you know it's it's you know it's sad <laughs> to be honest with you it's it's sad being into something that literally nobody else around you not only are they not into they show extremely little interest in and whenever you try to like explain certain things to them or whatever you can tell that they're just kind of like you know, like, oh, oh, wow, or, oh, yeah, oh, okay, you know, like that, and, like, they're just waiting for that conversation to be over, you know, um, there's a funny story whenever it comes to Gundam with my buddy Ian, because, um, apparently, I did not know this until I met him, and I started looking, looking it up online and stuff like that, there's a rivalry between fandoms of Mobile Suit Gundam and Robotech, another, um, franchise, and I don't know why I've never really had anything to do with Robotech, but you know, we would sit there and, you know, me and him, whenever I would mention Gundam, he would kind of scowl and everything. I'm, I'm like, why, 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 why are you reacting that way? And you know, he would sit there like, Oh, mobile suit Gundam's just a Robotech ripoff and this and that and everything. And I would just kind of let him say his piece, you know, I wouldn't really, um, I wouldn't fight it or anything like that. I would just kind of be like, okay, well, you know, that's how you, how you want to feel till one day I was just kind of like, we were talking one day and I was kind of like, you keep calling Gundam a Robotech ripoff, but it's like, when did Robotech start? And he's like, oh, 1980 or 1981. And I just smiled at him and I was like, Gundam's been around since 1979. And whenever he looked it up and saw that Gundam actually precedes Robotech, um, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like his, his tune has changed. That's, that's kind of funny. But, um, before I really jump into the episode, I know I've rambled already, but uh, I'm going to tell you guys how I got into Gundam and all of that. Um, see, whenever I was younger and Cartoon Network was, had that little segment called Toonami, um, people my age know what that is, but, um, they had, like, anime shows that would be on there. That's how I got introduced to Dragon Ball Z. That's how I got introduced to uh, Sailor Moon. Um, you know, just a number of different anime shows uh, and stuff like that. And then they would show anime shows, like, on uh, Adult Swim late at night. They would show things like uh, uh, Inuyasha and things like that. Like, you know, those were uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, you know, that, those were just like my, my introductions to the world of anime. And for some reason, I had been under the impression that the Gundam franchise 
was about like live robots. Like they could talk and all of that kind of stuff. And it just seemed kind of, I was like, nah, you know, whatever. That, that's not really something I'm into. Like, um, you know, like if I want that, I'd, I'll, I'll watch Transformers, you know, or something like that. But I remember me and my brother were, and I'm going to talk about, you know, a little bit more about this particular series and how it came over and all of that kind of stuff later on uh, in the episode. But um, me and my brother, I think we were waiting for Dragon Ball Z to get started. And so we came and sat down on the couch, turned on the TV. And like the last like five minutes of the show, Gundam Wing was on. And it was pretty early on in the series. And so we were sitting there just kind of watching. And, um, you know, we were kind of making fun of it here and there because Gundam Wing does have some pretty, pretty silly moments that kind of make the, the main characters seem a lot bigger and badder than what they actually are. I mean, especially whenever you look that they're supposed to be children, essentially, in the series and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, there are parts about Gundam Wing that I love, and then there are other parts where I'm like, that's just cheesy and cringeworthy and all of that. But there was there was a part in there where the main, the main girl, her name is Relina, she comes to Hiro, who is the main uh, protagonist of the series, and her birthday is coming up, and she goes to give him an invitation to her birthday party because he has infiltrated the school, and he's, you know, just trying to keep a, a low cover and all that. And him just being a, a not nice word, like, rips the invitation in half, and me and Rob, you know, my brother, were sitting there like, oh, aren't you so big and bad? Wow, you, you ripped the poor girl's invitation in half and everything, and then he just leans in real close to her. And in the edited version that aired on Cartoon Network, he said, I will destroy you. Destroy is the go-to word that places like Cartoon Network and things like that would use to edit out the word kill. In the actual, like, unedited dub, he says, I will kill you. And um, so me and Rob were kind of like, oh, okay, like, so what's that guy's problem, you know, like that. And so we watch, um, you know, Dragon Ball Z and all that. And then we decide, we're like, let's try that the next day. You know, we're like, let's try that Gundam show, that Gundam wing or whatever. And we'll see what that's about. And so we watched Gundam wing. And that's whenever we found out to where we're like, this isn't like, it's not your stereotypical kids show. Like, yeah, it's for kids. Like, but it's also for more, like, young adults and everything as well. Like, there were some pretty adult themes in there. Uh, it has a very high kill count. And you just sit there and, like, you're just watching it. And you're just kind of like, this is, um... Especially when you're so used to watching shows that, like, cartoon shows that don't have a whole lot of depth in it. You sit there and you're just kind of like, huh. Like, wow, okay, well, that one mobile suit just went up against 20 other mobile suits and killed all 20, or destroyed all 20 of those mobile suits, and each one of those mobile suits had a pilot. And so you think about it, you know, you're like 12, 13 years old, you're sitting there watching this show that's designed, quote-unquote, for kids, and you just watched a battle in which, like, 20 guys died. And it's like, man, like, this show's kind of kind of hardcore, you know? And so me and Rob fully jumped on board with the Gundam Wing thing. Whenever it was big over here in the States, I was still young enough to where I was collecting toys, not just for collecting, but I was still playing with them. I'm not going to lie. I've got no shame in admitting it. I, I It was many years before I stopped actually playing with toys. I'm talking like I was well into my teens and I was made fun of a lot saying like, oh, that's childish and why are you playing with toys? You know, basically like you need to grow up and everything like that. And I would just be like, shut up. I'm having fun with this. You know, it doesn't bother me. But um, so I got a massive amount of Gundam Wing toys, uh, all of the main the main Gundams and all of that pretty much. And I got a lot of the grunt suits, as they're called, such as uh like different types of Leos and things like that. I got a Tall Geese, a Tall Geese 2. And um, yeah, I was fully on board with Gundam Wing. 
And because Gundam Wing was so popular over here in the States, they decided, well, we're going to try and capitalize on the popularity of this, and their Bandai is going to send over, or not Bandai, Sunrise is going to send over the original Gundam series to be aired, like on Cartoon Network and everything, and we'll see how that goes. Now, whenever I was first introduced to that show, I got a completely, it got a completely different reaction out of me. And the reason why is because I, I had been exposed to older animations whenever I was younger. I mean, I've watched cartoons that were made in like the 20s and the 30s and everything. I grew up on shows like, you know, I'm talking the classic, like Popeye the Sailor Man, uh, Felix the Cat, Betty Boop. You know, things like that. So I was very accustomed to older animated shows and things like that. What I was not accustomed to was the anime style from like the 60s and 70s and all that. And so whenever I first saw the anime style for the original Gundam, because I was like, ooh, this is another one. And I found out it was the original series and that uh, Gundam Wing was a spinoff of it and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to check it out. And the animation style really threw me off. Like, I just couldn't... I thought it was dated at the time, and I just could not get into it. But I still collected, like, the toys and the figures and things like that. And it wasn't until I really didn't start paying attention to the original series until I was going to school, and there was a guy that we... He was one grade above me. And he was into a lot of nerdy things, like... um like me and my brother were, you know, like he, he liked a lot of the same kind of video games. He liked a lot of the same kind of shows like animes and stuff like that. And we went to talking about Gundam one day. And this guy was basically like, I've got a video game that you would probably like. And I was like, okay. So the next day he brought me a game and it was for the PlayStation 2. And it was called Mobile Suit Gundam Journey to Jaburo which covers in the the anime series, it covers like from the beginning of the anime up until them going to Jaburo. And there was a sequel video game that was made that was called Encounters in Space, which pretty much covers the rest of the anime in that game. Um, I did not care for the gameplay of Encounters in Space all that much. So I don't have near the fond memories of that one as I do. So I was given it and I was like, okay, you know, let's check it out. And since I had not watched the series itself any, really, this was going to be like the best thing that I've got to figure out like what the plot of the show is and all of that. And so I played the game and I freaking loved the game. Loved it. Still love it to this day. I've got a copy of it somewhere around here. But um, I love the game. Like there's no tomorrow really fell in love with so many of the characters, with so many of the original suits, loved the plot line, the story, and all of that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, I need to give this original series a shot again. And at that time, you know, back, you know, with Toonami and everything, they would air a certain amount of episodes, and then, but they would have to wait until the next batch of episodes, you know, got dubbed and everything and was shipped, it was basically given the okay to start airing and all that. And so there was lots of times Dragon Ball Z was one of the most infamous ones for it to where like, you know, you would sit there and be watching Dragon Ball Z and it's like up in the Android saga or something like that. And then it's like right in the middle of that saga, basically. And whenever you would come back the next day to watch it and you'd turn it on, it's like, nope, the entire series started over again. There's, there's the Saiyan saga. Here we go. And it's like, oh my God, really? And it would play the entire the entire thing again until they got back to the Android saga and you would just sit there and hope and pray and have your fingers crossed that like, maybe we'll get some new episodes and sometimes new episodes would start and you're like, all right, cool. More episodes and everything. And then unfortunately other times it would be like, boom, start over again. There's Raditz again. And you're like, holy mackerel. But so I waited until mobile suit Gundam started over from the beginning again. And I started watching it and I had a whole brand new appreciation for it. And I've loved it ever since. Like I've been like, whenever it comes to Gundams, to mobile suits, I very much love the original series. Some of the sequel series that's come out like Zeta Gundam and, um, things like that. I'm not too crazy about, um, 
I'll, I'll talk more about that here in a second, but, um, I know I've rambled on for 25 minutes, but, um, <clears throat> I don't have a whole lot of information production wise because it is difficult to talk about the production of like an animated show. Um, you know, it's not like movies and stuff like that where you could sit there and be like, oh, so production started and, you know, on such and such day, there was a bad rainstorm. And so they had to shut down production and instead they decided to do this on the fly. You know, you can't do that because it's mostly people just, you know, working on the animation and doing the voice dubs and all that kind of stuff. But anywho, I'll give you guys what I've got on the original Gundam series. So it started in 1979 and the director of the series was an individual by the name of Yoshiyuki Tomino. 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 I don't know. Um, sorry if I butchered his name. But what was the trend at that point in time in Japan was a genre called super robots. And basically what the super robot genre is, is kind of like Transformers. And it was things like Astro Boy, um, uh, we in the States pretty much know it as Gigantus and all that. Like that, that was the super robot genre. The robots didn't really look very realistic. They really were more human-like in appearance. They had very, you know, bright colors and all that. And a lot of their transformations that they would do wouldn't make any sense and all of that kind of stuff. And so that, that genre was called the super robots and all of that. And so there was a very, a good bit of toy companies that had combined, had pretty much made a handshake deal with the company called Sunrise. That's like, we're going to start putting out toy lines of a lot of the shows that you do and everything. And so the director, Tomino, he wanted to come up with a war story, basically. He didn't want to do... Um, like just these massive super robots that have these ridiculous looking transformations and stuff like that. He just didn't want to do that. And in past shows that he had done, the bad guys were like aliens or other robots and things like that. And he's like, no, I want this to be futuristic, realistic. And so the good guys were going to be humans. The bad guys were going to be humans. And they are going to pilot these gigantic robots that are going to be called mobile suits and he just went with it from there now and it created the genre that has become known as the real robot genre and he did this to basically like if mechs were real if they were actually real and were to be used in some type of military conflict like, what would they be like? How would they perform? What's the kind of stuff that they could do and everything? And so that's why he created what he created, and it's called the real robot genre. And he enlisted an individual by the name of Kunio Okawara as the mech designer for the mobile suits and the battleships and things like that. Now, as I said just a little while ago, this is a war show. Like, it's one of those deals to where, like, you watch it as a kid, and you have one type of opinion about it. And then you watch it as an adult. And you're just kind of like, how was this approved for children? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know that, like, it's different in Japan. that they, they air entirely different, you know, they have different standards and things that are to be considered censored and all of that over there. But even coming over here to the States, this is a very, there is a high, high death count in Mobile Suit Gundam. Very high. Like, basically the gist of Mobile Suit Gundam is, and I'm just going to very briefly talk about the lore of Mobile Suit Gundam for those of you that are not familiar with there are two factions in Mobile Suit Gundam. The good guys of the series is from the Earth Federation, and they're stationed, obviously, on Earth. Then you have the Principality of Zeon, and they are in colonies up in space, space colonies. And the whole conflict 
Uh, it takes place in the year 0079. You get it? The show came out in 1979. So it takes place in 0079 of a timeline that is called the Universal Century. And so basically that is just saying that this takes place in the 79th year of the Universal Century timeline. And so basically what's going on is the Principality of Zeon wants its independence from the Earth Federation. They go about it in an entirely terrible way. You know, like, it's it's one of those deals, you know, Gundam fans, they've drawn a line in the sand. You've got some people that's like Team Federation, like me. You have some people that's Team Zeon, like my brother. And, um, you know, kind of like with Star Wars, how you have people that are, you know, they're full on on the, the side of, like, the Rebel Alliance, and then you have other people that's like, full-on Team Empire and all of that kind of stuff. It's the same thing, basically. But, um, so, the Zeonic Empire wants freedom and independence, and so they've essentially started a war with the Earth Federation. And they had always just simply used, like, battleships and things like that. But what ends up happening is that the Zeons or the Zeonic Empire, create the very first mobile suit. And it's a Zaku. That's its, uh, that's its designation, a Zaku. And this particular one is going to be the Zaku-1. And they really got to see like how well the Zakus or the mobile suits really do at a battle, um, the Battle of Loom, where there is a character, the main uh, antagonist of the original show, Shar Aznable, pretty much makes a name for himself and becomes known as the Red Comet because kind of like the Red Baron in World War I, any suit that he gets, he customizes it um, to focus on speed and also has it painted red so that he stands out. And so he's pretty much known as the Red Comet. And so the Earth Federation is like, okay, there's something to these mobile suits and everything. And so by then, the... Um, the uh, the Zeonic Empire has moved on to Zaku 2s. Like, that's their main mobile suit that they've created. And so the Earth Federation is trying to catch up, and they're trying to create their own mobile suits. And at the very beginning of the series, they have created prototype mobile suits. The Zeonic Empire finds out about it. They go to a colony, um, Side 7, I believe, and they go there, and in hopes of kind of scouting out to see what the mobile suits look like, how many of them that there are. They send three Zakus. I believe it was three. No, maybe it was two. I'm cold, boy, I can't remember. But anywho, they sent a small, um, a small little war party, I guess you would say, of mobile suits. And whenever the pilots of the Zakus get there, they see the Federation suits, and they're like, okay, we're just basically going to take the initiative and try and destroy these suits. And they destroy a few of them. But what they weren't counting on was the newest suit that the Federation had made. Far more powerful and all that than any other suit that the Zeons had or anything like that. And it is the Gundam. Designation RX-78-2. And the main character of the series ends up being Amuro Ray. And while they're being attacked, his father is one of the scientists that, like, messes with the mobile suits and all of that. And so Amuro pretty much takes it upon himself to basically be like, I've got to try and do something. Like, nobody's doing anything. And so he runs over to the Gundam, hops in the cockpit, and starts trying to figure out how to operate it and everything. And some, like, he he wins the battle, a lot of it is by accident. Like, he's just pushing the right button, and the fact that the suit is more powerful than the Zaku's, it was able to take damage while he was trying to figure things out with it and all of that. And so then, that's pretty much what sets up the series, is that in the backdrop is the war, the one-year war, as it's called, um, between the Earth Federation and the Principality of Zeon. But then you also have a small squad of people that is led by Shar Aznable, the antagonist of the show, that is trying to find and destroy 
the Gundam that they have nicknamed the White Devil because it is predominantly white in color and it also has red and blue colors as well. And it's also on a warship, a uh, prototype warship that is called White Base because it is primarily white, but the, uh, the Zionic Empire refers to it as the Trojan Horse. And so that's basically the gist of the show is the the white base and Amuro in them and a lot of the bigger officers like higher ranking officers were killed during the attack and so you have officers very low ranking officers have now had to assume command of white base and many civilians were volunteered slash drafted to also help operate white base and so it's primarily operated by children and stuff like that. I say children, you know, anywhere between like 12 and 15. I just had to stop my recording. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to hear what just happened, but while I was in the middle of my sentence, my neighbor, his truck, this happens every now and then. I don't know if he just accidentally pushes the button or something like that. He, um, his truck has one of those like, wee, 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 like type of alarms and all that kind of stuff. And it sits um, probably about 30 feet outside the window from where I'm currently at. And yeah, so if I was sitting here talking just now and you guys heard his alarm going off in the background, I apologize. But anywho, so that's pretty much the gist of Mobile Suit Gundam and what all happens. And it's a, it's a very... You know, it sets up the story and all of that to where, like, you just basically have this ragtag group of people that's going up against these hardened soldiers, but they have better tech and better mechs and things like that. And so they're able to hold their own. And over the course of the show, they actually become very skilled military personnel and pilots themselves, um, namely Amuro, because he, he pretty much becomes, like, one of the Federation's top aces and all of that at some point. But um, it's a fantastic show. I love it. It's full of great stories and plot lines, fantastic characters, and all of that kind of stuff. I have often argued that if Mobile Suit Gundam had gotten the right type of exposure and wasn't just simply an anime, if it had gotten like the right type of exposure... Like, if they had made, like, full-fledged movies of it and all of that, as opposed to it being an anime show and everything, at least the original series for Gundam that takes place in 0079, it could rival Star Wars. I'll tell anybody that I think Mobile Suit Gundam can rival Star Wars in terms of lore and characters and just how big the fan base is and all of that kind of stuff. It is a fantastic series, and I try to recommend it to anybody that I possibly can. Now, some of the suits that are found in the show are... I'm, just, I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I'm going to talk about just a few of them and everything. So for the Earth Federation, obviously you have the Gundam. And I've mentioned before that it is the RX-78-2. I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from using actual designations and things like that because I don't want to confuse you guys. Now the next suit is called a GM. It's just the letters GM. I've heard it in various dubs as well as from fans refer to it as the letters GM, and I've also heard people just call it a gym, like pronounce like you know like a gymnasium but without the Y. So I don't know which one is correct. I really don't. I've always just called it a GM, and so that's just what, what I've always called it. Now, the GM line, there are multiple different types of lines of these mobile suits and all of that, like the Gundam. This is the original Gundam and everything, but later on um, in sequel series, there's going to be, there's like another Gundam, like the Zeta Gundam, and then in some of the limited series that they did, you know, there's the Gundam Alex, and then in like 00, that was in 0080, and then 0083, you have, um, like, other Gundams that are made and all of that kind of stuff. This is just the original ones and all of that. And so the GM, I've always been a big fan of the GM line, of different GMs that they come out with. Um, I have multiple model kits of different GMs 
and stuff like that because I like their look and all of that. And yeah, so GMs are pretty cool. Then you have the gun cannon. Now the gun cannon, you guys have probably seen pictures of here and there. It's uh, one of the more famous mobile suits from the original series. It is solid red, usually has a pretty high, a longer uh, beam rifle and everything. Not quite as long as like a sniper rifle, but it's, you know, a decently sized rifle, beam rifle. And it's a solid red suit. The head is white and it has two cannons mounted on its shoulders. Hence the name Gun Cannon. Um, I also have a model kit of the Gun Cannon. Uh, I have a I have a lot of mobile suit models, guys. Like a lot. Um, but uh, next is the Gun Tank. Now the Gun Tank is one of the earlier type of. It's not. Mm, there's debate amongst people as to whether or not it's actually considered to be a mobile suit, because it's essentially picture an army tank with the treads, you know, the tracks and all that. Okay. And then picture a mobile suit, but it's just from the torso up. And then they attach the torso of the mobile suit onto the tracks of the tank. So it's basically half of a mobile suit and half of a tank kind of, you know, like, yeah, that's basically what it is. And so there's some people that's like, oh, it's not a mobile suit. It's really more of a tank than it is anything. And then there's other people that's like, well, you know, it is a mobile suit because it has like, you know, the head, the arms, you know, and all that kind of stuff and everything. Me, I've always personally considered it a mobile suit. That's just me. But, um, yeah, that it basically looks like that. Also, like its hands, um is instead of having like fingers and stuff like that, it has uh, machine guns for fingers. And just like the gun cannon, it has cannons mounted on its uh, shoulders, but they're much longer and more high-powered cannons. And then the base, as I talked about earlier, is the white base. And I honestly don't know if there is a model kit of the vessels and stuff from Mobile Suit Gundam. I'm talking like the warships and... Things like white base and stuff like that. I'll have to look that up. Like, I, I would like to build a, a model of white base. So that's more some of the more famous and popular suits on the Federation side. Now, on the uh, Zeonic side, I've already mentioned the Zaku was the very first mobile suit. That was the Zaku 1. By the time the One Year War, like the series starts at this point in the One Year War, the Zaku 2 is pretty much the primarily used mobile suit for the Zeonic Empire and all that. Um, then you have something called the Zagok, and that's one of the more popular ones. Uh, Gelgoogs, they really showed up towards the end of the series once it goes leaves Earth and goes into space, and there's a lot of battles like in space and all of that kind of stuff. And then you have the Zeong, which ends up being Shar's suit for the final battle, the Battle of Abaoku. Um, in which pretty much the, the one year war comes to a close. Um, and Shar has a red version of pretty much every single, just not every single one. He has, uh, a red Zaku too. Uh, again, he's referred to as the red comet. There was a prequel series that was done called Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin. Uh, and there was an anime series that was done of it called Mobile Suit Gundam Origins, and he did have a Zaku 1 that was also red. Uh, he ends up getting a red uh, Zagok. He has a red Gelgoog. Like, you know, like I said, he's like the Red Baron. He pretty much gets a red version of anything, um, any type of suit that there is just about uh, that he decides he wants to pilot. Shar is so popular. Again, he's the antagonist of the show. He is so popular over in Japan that in so many different things, that's not even Gundam related. I'm talking like things that are just like cell phone cases and stuff like that. Anything that they make that's red, like they put the Zeonic Empire symbol on it, and they say it's been Sharized or something like that, you know? They have cell phone cases that you can get that is Shar cell phone cases. Um, lunch boxes and things like that. Like, basically, like, I don't even know how to 
basically picture over here in the States as if like if any company made anything that was like blue, they put the S shield for Superman on it. And it was like, that has been Supermanized or something like that. That's how big Shar is over in Japan. It's really, really cool. Shar is uh, my brother's favorite um, uh, Gundam character, by the way, just throwing that out there. Now, with all of that said concerning Mobile Suit Gundam, keep in mind this show came about because of a handshake deal between toy company Clover and Sunrise to create a show so that toys could be made of it and all of that. And basically, you know, kind of like what we do over here in the States, we've done it with Masters of the Universe and a number of other toys and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, we have an idea for a toy line. We need a cartoon show to go along with it to try and sell and market the toy line and all of that kind of stuff. And it's kind of about what happened with Bumble Suit Gundam, but not quite to the extent of, like, Masters of the Universe or anything like that. There was just one little itty-bitty problem. Mobile Suit Gundam did not fare well in ratings at all. To the point to where Clover, the main sponsor of the show, pulled out of the deal and basically said, we're done. This show isn't what we thought it was going to be. We're pulling out of the deal. But they already had some toys that were going to be made. Not one of them hit shelves while Mobile Suit Gundam was on the air. Not one. Okay? So, it comes and goes. It was originally slated to be 50 episodes. It got cut down to 43. So, it comes and goes. Toys start hitting the shelves. And the Clover toy line is not accurate to the show. Like, kind of like in basic body build, you can, you can see it. Like, you would be able to look at them and be like, oh yeah, that's a Gundam, you know. But a lot of the colors did not match at all. They were given weapons that they did not use in the show. Like, it, it, was, it was a pretty poor representation of the cartoon show. Enter a very small and up-and-coming company that we all know and love to this day by the name of Bandai. Bandai comes in and says, I want the deal. I can do toys of this. But instead of doing toys, they decided to go with model kits. Now, you've probably heard or at least you've seen the label to where like the Gundam model kits are called Gunpla. G-U-N-P-L-A. Gunpla. And basically, all that stands for is the gun is short for Gundam, and the PLA is short for plastic models. So Gun PLA is basically just a shortened version of Gundam plastic models. And so Bandai comes in, and this is well after Mobile Suit Gundam has stopped airing and all of that kind of stuff. And they come in and they say, we want to create this model line. But we want to create like the easiest model kit line that anyone could possibly use. There's going to be no glue. There's going to be no paint. Like they're going to make the plastic pieces, the colors that they need to be, and literally all you need is the instructions inside the box, a way to be able to cut the plastic pieces off of the, um, I can't, man, I'm spacing. I can't think of what they're called. The little plastic tray-like things that all the little plastic pieces are attached to and all that. To be able to cut them loose from that. And you can go from there. They pretty much took a page out of Lego's book and said to make it to where anyone can put one of these bottles together, we're going to strictly use numbers and pictures. To where like uh, the little cells, like the little plastic things that all the little pieces are attached to and everything will be designated as like A, B, C, and things like that. And then each individual piece, there's a number by each individual piece. And it's also done by pictures in the instructions. And so you would look at the instructions, you know, to really be able to make sure like, okay, is this the piece that I'm needing? But then it has like an arrow pointing at the piece and be like, this is B12. And so you would find the cell that is B, 
you would get that one, and then you would find the one that is labeled 12. That's the piece you need. You cut it loose. You get the other two pieces that you need or whatever. Snap them all together how it's supposed to be. Boom, you just created a Gundam shoulder. And then you create the Gundam's forearm. Then you create the other shoulder, the other forearm. And it goes on and on until after a while, you know, you've built like the arms, the legs, the torso, the head. Snap it all together. You just created your own Gundam. They're pretty durable, very, very poseable, very good for toys. And they're essentially for any, any age, to be honest with you. You can do just about any age can, can put these things together. You know, obviously not like two or three years old. Like once you're old enough to be able to have comprehension enough to be able to read the instructions and know what you're doing and all of that. They have different grades that you can do, like entry grade and then high grade, real grade perfect grade there's other grades but i'm not going to get into all those those are pretty much like oh master grade um there's pretty much like those are the main grade designations that there are and all of that kind of stuff so bandai gets the deal and they set out and create a model kit of just about every single mobile suit that is in the original series they're very accurate, very screen accurate to how they look in the show and all of that kind of stuff. And also it jumps into the hobby thing of people being able to put together models and all of that kind of stuff. It's a hit. People can't get enough of these little Gundam uh, model kits and stuff like that. And so what ends up happening is that it's so successful, they're like, hey, if we create another show to come up with more mobile suits, we'll be able to make more models. So that's what they do. And the first sequel series to Gundam came about. And there were a few sequel series here and there that get made, all of them taking place in the Universal Century timeline. Then they decide to go into an alternate timeline and they create G Gundam or Mobile Fighter G Gundam. And... You know, that's also one of the more popular uh, spinoffs of Mobile Suit Gundam. And then after G Gundam, Gundam Wing was the one, the next spinoff that came out. And all of this is primarily happening in Japan and all of that. And so whenever they decide that they want to try and tap into the United States, they sent over Gundam Wing. This is the one we're going to use to try and capture their attention. And Gundam Wing absolutely captured our attention. And... That's why over here in the States, to this day, the highest selling model kits that there are here in the States are um, Heavy Arms. He's a Gundam. That's from Gundam Wing. Uh, Death Scythe, who is also a Gundam from Gundam Wing. I'm trying to think of who the other one was. I can't remember if it was Wing Gundam, maybe Wing Zero. I can't remember which one it was. But I know Heavy Arms and Death Scythe are in the top three highest selling suits over here in the states and gundam wing pretty much brought gundam over here to the united states and it's been a booming franchise ever since a whole slew of video games i've told you guys about you know journey to jaburo then its sequel encounters in space they made a game that i also played whenever i was a kid that was um through the Xeonic Empire's eyes, called um, Mobile Suit Gundam Xeonic Front. You played with uh, Xeon soldiers. A number of spinoffs, like I've talked about, and like limited series um, that take place during the One Year War. Uh, you know, like some of the series that I'm quite fond of that I own on Blu-ray is like Mobile Suit Gundam 0080, War in the Pocket. Then you have the O-Eighth MS team. That's another very, very popular uh, series over here in the States. Uh, 0083. Um, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. And Gundam has become one of the biggest franchises worldwide. And, like, you know, it just, it just took a little while. For the original series... Yeah, it didn't hit off. The ratings were terrible. And they they shortened it down by seven episodes and all that. And all it took was for Bandai to come in and basically be like, I have an idea for some Gundam models. 
and to to pretty much make it happen. And now Gundam is one of the biggest uh, franchises in the world. Um, I have many Gundam collectibles, like toys and stuff like that. I have a whole mess load of uh, model kits. Many of them I've built, but I do have a backlog that I need to, you know, uh, put together and all of that. Me and my brother, uh, he also does the Gundam models and stuff like that. And sometimes he'll come over to the house and he'll bring one or two and like, okay, we're just going to have like a Gundam weekend. And he and I will sit there and put together two or three models and stuff like that. And we have a, a good time, a whole lot of fun. Um, before the only place here in town that I was able to get the model kits, there were two different places. One was Hobby Lobby. They had some and Target would carry them every now and then. But there is a game exchange here in town. And here very recently, I'm talking like only like maybe two or three months ago, they have started carrying uh, Gundam models. And they at first they only had like maybe 10 of them. But the last time I went in there, they, they've got like 50 of them. Like, so they're, they're getting more and more and more. And I'm very, very happy about that uh, because before before that, to really be able to find model kits that you wanted and all of that kind of stuff, if you tried to order it off uh, online, then a lot of times you had to deal with like a scalper that would be like, okay, this is a $20 model kit, but I bought all the pre-orders. And so now if you want it, you're going to have to pay 40 bucks for it or something like that. And so... There was a place called uh, Excalibur Comics in Shreveport, and they have a pretty good chunk of Gundam models, and me and my brother make our, our way down to Shreveport uh, every now and then just to see what kind of models that they have, and, you know, we scoop some things up. So, all right, guys, that pretty much does it for the original Mobile Suit Gundam. As you guys can tell, I'm a big fan of the franchise. Um, I could have gone into far more detail than what I just did. In all honesty, I could probably helm an entire podcast based on Mobile Suit Gundam. That's just how much I love this franchise, how much I love the series, collecting the figures and stuff like that. To let you guys know how big of a fan I am of Mobile Suit Gundam, I've told Emily before that one day I do want to go to Japan. I really do. And you guys know that from like, because I'm a kaiju fan and I want to see stuff like dealing with like Godzilla and all of that. But I have openly told Emily that if we ever go to Japan, they have life-size Gundams in Japan. Uh, like a, uh, one from Unicorn Gundam. And then they actually have a working movable RX-78 too, the original Gundam. And uh, I've told Emily if we ever go to Japan, the moment I step foot on Japan or in Japan, we're going to the hotel. We're putting up all of our stuff. And then the very next spot we're going is to see the Gundams. Before Godzilla, before the Godzilla store, before anything Gamera related, anything Kaiju related, I have told Emily the first thing I want to do is go see those mobile suits. That's just how much I love this franchise. So, alrighty guys, that pretty much does it. Coming up on an hour for the uh, for the episode, even though I did ramble for, uh, you know, 25 minutes <laughs> prior to actually really jumping into the episode and all of that. But I'm um, going to go ahead and give you guys a heads up. You're going to hear from me Wednesday. You're going to. I've made that decision. There will not be an episode Saturday because I'm getting married this Friday. So, you know, I'm not going to get married and then you know, amongst trying to go through all the planning for the wedding and all of that kind of stuff, look at Emily and be like, oh, sorry, wait, I've got to, I got to watch this movie so I can talk about, you know, so obviously there's not going to be an episode a week from today, this Saturday. So you guys will hear from me again on um, this Wednesday for the weekly Kaiju Havoc. I'll get married Friday. You'll hear nothing from me Saturday. And then you will hear from me again the following Wednesday for the next weekly Kaiju Havoc where I will announce what the next uh, episode is going to be for Kaiju Carnage. So, alrighty guys, check me out on all of my social medias on Facebook. I'm Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. I have a Godzilla Ultima fan page. And then on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, I am Cal, the Kaiju guy. So, alrighty guys, if you haven't ever checked out Mobile Suit Gundam or anything, by all means, check it out. Netflix right now has uh, subbed versions of 
movies that is the TV series compiled into like two hour long movies apiece. So, all righty, guys. Thank y'all. We'll catch y'all this Wednesday. This was Mobile Suit Gundam. I'm Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.